go. It's elevated. It's not going to pick up any bumps or anything like that on the table unless you slam your hands on it. So, <laughs> um, okay. So uh, welcome to Horror 101. Uh, my name is Crystal Mazur. I am a freelance writer and game developer. I've written on books such as um, Fifth Edition Vampire. I wrote on Chicago by Night and Let the Streets Run Red. I've also written for Never Going Home. Um, and I am the lead developer for Pip System from Third Eye Games. Uh, horror is one of the things that I absolutely love and enjoy. Um, I love writing for any type of horror, whether it be gothic horror, comedic horror. Um, uh, Pip System, we have Kids Guide to Monster Hunting, which is kids horror, um, including consensual body horror. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, it's been a passion of mine, and with the resurgence of a whole bunch of really new and awesome ways to play horror games, I decided to do a series panel this year. Last year we just did one horror panel, and it sold out <laughs> completely. And so um, this year, two out of the three panels uh, have sold out. So um, if you did not get tickets and you want to go to the 201 panel, which is going to be tomorrow, Tomorrow, I think. Sometime it's either tomorrow or Saturday. Um, if you just bring generics, that's fine. Is if we can fit people in the room, I will get everybody in the room. So even if it says it's sold out, it's not. Just bring a generic, and I I will get you in. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have all of the panelists introduce themselves, how they um, are connected with horror, and um, then we're going to. I have a couple of things for us to talk about when it comes to getting started into role-playing with horror and storytelling with horror. And then at the end, we are going to have a Q&A um, with whatever time that we have left um, with the tickets. If you guys at the end of the panel could just bring your tickets up here and put them at the table, what they are doing with those tickets now is they are looking at who is attending the panels and the size of the room they give to them next year. The more tickets I turn in, the bigger room I get. <laughs> so please turn in your tickets. If you have to leave early, if you could leave your ticket with somebody to drop off, I would be greatly appreciative. All right. So um, we're just going to go straight down the line for all of the panelists and just you guys can fight amongst yourselves. Go for it, man. <laughs> just go this way. I knew this was going to happen. I sat on the other end. All right. Um, I am uh, Sean Jaffe, uh, Penn, uh, uh, Reverend Mother Sean Jaffe. I've been in this business uh, since before Gen Con came to Indianapolis. Uh, so my connection to horror goes way back. Uh, my first uh, like freelance gig, I did uh, Blood Dim Tides for the original World of Darkness. I also did the very first uh, Werewolf the Dark Ages um, and a couple other things for like old White Wolf back in the day. Um, and uh, I've done various other things, too much to mention here uh, in the meantime, uh, but uh, came back with uh, Rememorex, uh, which is suburban horror. Um, and then uh, I uh, thought that that was too high-minded, so uh, I made RPG Nasty, and I apologize for that. <laughs> um, RPG Nasty is uh, just 
stupid horror, which I feel like doesn't really get enough love in the in the tabletop gaming space. It's all very uh, very cerebral and, and sometimes doesn't just you know get real dumb and schlocky, which I think is kind of fun. Um, my connections to it, uh, I'm kind of peripherally connected to uh, the Joe Bob Briggs uh, um, uh, last drive-in. Um, I'm making a prop for them right now and. Uh, We've been working back and forth on like some sort of a RPG nasty thing for Joe Bob, uh, and uh, uh, like maybe doing like a, a podcast or something. Um, so yeah, I've got like a lot of connection to like specifically uh, like eighties horror and uh, like VHS bottom of the barrel, like you know the stuff where the box was always scarier than the movie itself. Um, uh, uh, oh, the, uh, the, at the time, creative director for Troma Films actually filmed my wedding video. Uh, so That's that is, awesome. It's actually a DVD, it's a DVD extra on his brother's wedding video. <laughs> I've only seen it twice in my life. That's cool. So yeah, dumb horror. Uh, I'm Jason Piercy. I am uh, the co-writer for The Real Thing RPG. It is a RPG based in Powered by the Apocalypse system. It's, uh, it's a game that uses the messages and uh, creative thoughts in Faith No More's music, if any of you know the band Faith No More. It is definitely a horror-driven game where you discover who you are along the way. You make the characters you go. And we're right now doing a backer kit for Angel Dust and King for a Day. We actually have the IP uh, with Faith No More, so we're working with the band uh, for this. And if any of you are interested in backing or talking more about this, I have flyers we can pass out. We got deals going on. You got it. I have a question. Oh yeah, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Seriously, like, <laughs> thanks. And it's they're, they're, it's it's been it's we been need a while. More, more band based RPG. That's that's kind of going to be our stick going forward. We're going to try to get. So cool. We're meeting with uh, Tim Moster, manager, on the ninth, and we're going to go to a Mastodon concert and talk with him about stuff like that. So. Yeah, so there could be more stuff coming out in the future. I have um, a Bowie thing I need to talk to you oh, about. Oh, please, yes, please. Please call me. But that's just one of the things that I do. Um, but if you're interested in that, come see me. Uh, I'm, I'm relatively new to the industry, but I, I love it. I've been playing since I was 12, so it's fun to be on this side of the table now and like, be with people who've been doing it for a while, and it's really, really cool. We're also doing a 5e. It's called Strange Hollows next year, and uh, I do a v, V-tubing... Uh, role-playing game, D&D role-playing game, where we are our characters, you see our characters on screen, but this gentleman here, it is called The Fables of Alamir. We got stuff about that also. And I was working with uh, Storytellers Forge and the Seventh Age, for the Seventh Age title for the Seventh Age Dread system, I'll be the dev editor for that. I'm also writing for Storyteller Forge, so. I know, I know. know. (laughs) Rick is awesome. Yes, Rick is awesome. We can talk about Storyteller Forge later. Yeah. Hey, I'm Will Yule. I use they, them pronouns. I am probably the baby of the table as I've been putting out games for like five, six years at this point. And horror, definitely one of the genres that I like working with the most, especially seeing what it can mix with. Um, the first horror game that I put out, The Walls Will Swallow You, really going into the whole, you know, spooky house, oh no, um, kind of thing. And then leading into Mystic Lilies, which is, you can pick up at the IGDM table way, 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 way that way, Amy Hall, uh, which is kind of witch drama, has a lot of horror elements in there, and I've really been exploring seeing how to mix horror and mystery, horror and 
relationship drama, all these kinds of things, because horror, in, in my mind, is great by itself, but can also really intensify and bring up the themes and other things. And I'm really excited to be here. So um, thank you, panelists, by the way, for, for doing this. This is really awesome. This is also the first time I'm meeting all of them. So, <laughs> hi. Okay, so the first thing that I want to talk about is what I talk about in every single horror panel that I do, which is consent tools. Now, I know that not everybody uses consent tools at their table, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that there are consent tools out there. There are stuff that is not system agnostic, where you can use them at any system. Um, there are also stuff that people have created for their own home games and stuff like that, especially since we are all game developers, we usually can come up with some systems. So I wanted to talk about like the consent tools, when you would use them, and like how you would implement them in your game so that it doesn't interrupt the flow of that game and the flow of the horror, because that is exactly what we want don't want to do. <laughs> so... Um, who would like to take that and talk about that first? Sure, I'll kick us off. So I think, honestly, my favorite time to use safety tools is before before the game has even started. Just finding out, you know, what are the, it's commonly called lines and veils. Lines being, you know, these are the no-goes, veils being the, you know, this can happen off screen or this can be alluded to, but I don't really want to see it. Because when I get that information, it's not just you know, all right, well, now I know what I can't do, but it's telling me a lot about where I can go and about the kinds of things that, you know, if a, if a veil is down, I think that can tell you a lot about a player, you know, and how to make sure that a game's gonna be fun and interesting for everyone. Uh, also, just the, just that element of, you know, you're running, let's say, a long-form horror thing. You've got campaigns, and you break things off at a big, you know, dramatic cliffhanger. Also a great time to then go and, you know, in between sessions, go, hey, how's it going? I know things got pretty scary when that giant dog came through, burst through the wall. Is that cool? Is, are dogs okay? I'm okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to lean into dogs. But some people are freaked out by dogs, and so you go, okay. That was actually a robot, or you know, whatever you want to do to just kind of steer it away. There's Kool-Aid no... Man. There's Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of ways that you, you can steer things and guide things when you're kind of working <coughs> outside of session time, but also playing of other times. Oh, are we on me? Whatever. You want to rock, paper, scissors for it? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> One, two, three, shoot. Okay. Hi, you won. All right. Uh, I usually, I, I run a lot of live action role playing games and that's where, you know, you don't always know what you're necessarily going to get into in the moment. So generally before a scene happens, I'd like to tend to ask people like, okay, what's well, okay. This, this scene may contain body horror or this scene could contain psychological horror. Like what's too far for you. So before we get into the scene, we like you, you know, we know, we know where not to go. And I think it's very important. Because in a, in a scenario where you're kind of making it up as you go, you don't really know what's going to come out of your mouth next as long as it's creative, but you don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. You don't want them to go, that was too much. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't. You're terrible. Or what, you know, thinking that it's personal or thinking that um, you, you don't care about their feelings or their sensitivity. So that's what I usually like to do. And with that, I usually instill the X card. Like if something does get to a point because we're making it up right on the spot, just pull that out. 
totally fine. You don't have to be in, included anymore. Walk away. There is no problem. No one will question. No one will ridicule, ridicule you. It's completely accepted by everyone. And people that don't accept that, we generally don't invite them back to our games. That's a good call. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> we really started getting into the, uh, uh, like the, uh, the consent tools when we did, uh, RPG Nasty. Um, RPG Nasty is based off of the video nasties of the 1970s. Does anybody here know what that is? Okay, very few. Um, in the 1970s, there were a group of, uh, uh well, like, there's the shortest way to say they, when they started putting, uh, uh, movies, specifically horror movies, to uh, video cassette uh, in the late 70s. Um, they, uh, the British uh, didn't rate them because they weren't coming in on film and their rating system only came through film. So they started putting up a bunch of horror movies in their video stores as unrated and then started adding footage to like existing movies to make them just push the envelope more and more. Um, so they were the most offensive, disgusting, gratuitous movies that have ever been made. Um, <laughs> And, and I, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, uh, like Eli Roth tried to redo Cannibal Holocaust. He couldn't even get in the door. Mm -hmm. um, I do not recommend Cannibal Holocaust to anybody. Uh, that said, if that makes you want to see it, check it out. It is amazing. <laughs> it's wild. It's totally wild. Uh, so, but realizing, like, you know, because, like, you know, it's like the, 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 the grossest grindhouse Times Square uh, uh, a bottom of the barrel exploitation of the 1970s does not jibe with consent mechanics most of the time. Uh, so what we developed was this idea because the big thing we wanted to do the consent mechanics it had to be part of the game but we wanted to make it fun. Uh, and that's what you're talking about like bringing the players in on it. So a lot of RPG nasty for <laughs> the reason I wrote it and this is a, a trick for all of you uh, forever GMs if you ever want to take a night off. The players design the killer. Uh, the players narrate their own death. Uh, so they decide exactly how far they want to go. Uh, and you start off the game with something called a shot list and missing footage, because these are terrible movies that were cut up by idiots that were probably on drugs at the time. So, look, oh, this, you don't want, like, uh, uh, you don't want to see any sort of abusive animals? Well, that footage is missing. It's not even in there, so don't worry about it. Boom, done. But to keep it fun, what do you want to see? You want to see somebody's eyeball shoot out of their head when they're hitting the back of the head with a shovel? All right, we got that. That is in there. And then, you know, that becomes a list that the players can refer to when they're narrating their own death scenes. If they, like, kind of get to a point where they're stopped and they're like, oh, I want to come up with something really great. Oh, yeah, Dave said he wants to see somebody's eyeball pop out. So that happens. <laughs> and it sort of keeps everything on the table, like, within what the players are not only comfortable with, but what they want to be engaging with. Um, it is... Not, uh, you know, it definitely goes more fun than scary, but uh, it, it sort of sets a precedent that, that we've been able to use in other things. Like, Rememorex is a lot scarier, um, and it's all about sort of finding the place where you're most comfortable and then threatening that. Uh, but even then, you can kind of use those same tools to be like, you know, you, you, you feel out what the players are comfortable with and then just hit them with it when they're like least expecting it. And that's, the, I, that's, I think, the kind of horror that people like. is like, oh... Okay, <laughs> I'm not uncomfortable, but I did not see that coming. And that's, that's I think, the, 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 the key to at least uh, tabletop, uh, you know, role-playing horror is sort of uh, surprise and, and, and fear. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's my thing. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think we actually talked about, so um, IGDN, which is the Indie Game Developer Network, um, uh, 
one of the um, members, Matthew Ord, is doing a video series, which is on YouTube. And we recently talked about horror. And we did talk about RPG Nasty and oh, the really? safety mechanics in there. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so it did get brought up in that one. So, um, yeah, it's um, so there are a whole bunch of different types of safety mechanics for you to be able to use. You can choose to use them or not. Um, uh, there are there are people who may not realize that something is just not for them until they are right in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so you always want to be able to at least have some sort of uh, amicable out for everybody. And then you can either touch base with them after game away from everybody because you don't want everybody to know specifically what's happening. This isn't therapy. Like, you know, <laughs> we are not your therapists. Um, we are, we are your game storytellers. So um, what happens to you and goes through your head can be private. It does not have to be open for everybody. You don't have to be an open book. Um, okay, so I wanna talk a little bit about, because there are movies that are pushing the envelope for horror. Specifically, I'm thinking of things like Get Out, which, and like Lovecraft Country, where, I know, if you haven't seen it, see it. Like, but they are they are approaching horror from way different perspectives, and um, obviously our perspective up here. If you notice, we are all presenting as white, um, so coming from horror from that perspective is not going to be something that we are going to be able to talk about as an expert. However, we can take that and look at it and look at for RPGs that come from that perspective. So things like, if you haven't seen Bluebeard's Bride, Bluebeard's Bride is feminist horror. Mm. And it is, um, I, I played a game for it for Virtual Horror Con, and it was one of the most horrific games that I've ever played in. And it was beautiful and glorious and horrid. Because that horror for me is stuff that in real life, I have seen snippets of, I have had parts of it. So we can take parts of our experiences, turn them into horror in a way that is accessible for everybody. Um, another good example of this is going to be things like um, Harlem Unbound mm. and Haunted West, um, all of which is horror, um, Cthulhu horror in Harlem, so Black Perspective, um, written by Chris Spivey, um, who is amazing um, the game is written for everybody to play, by the way. Um, so please go out and play it because it needs more people. It's in the Smithsonian, by the way, and it's used in curriculums um, across the country at camp college campuses. Go play it. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about things that, what isn't horror, because these, these games do address things like racism, but that's not horror. That's real life for some people. So what is and isn't horror, and how do you know where that line is when you're coming up with a game or coming up with a story? Well, uh, it, my, my consideration for that and coming up with a story, what isn't horror is the plight of others, right? Like, that's just not horror. Sure. I, I don't mean, like, you know, getting stabbed in the stomach in your blood, shooting out somewhere. That, that's kind of comical, fun, you know, splatterpunk stuff. But... I mean true plight of other people, um, like taking what's going on in the Ukraine right now and trying to turn that into uh, a horror game. It don't, just don't do that, right? That's not okay. It's not pleasant. Um, it may sound fun in your head. It's not going to be that cool in reality because it's really happening. It really happened to people. 
So to me, that's just simple. That's what it is to me. I think not just that this is really something that's happening, but we're all here right now. That's not our story to tell, you know. If you're in there, for all we know, you know, that someone in that could use horror to explore some of the real dark and hard things that are happening over there. But we're not those people. We have other things that are, you know, going to make our lives hard. You know, we have our own flights, and it is, instead of exploring the flights of others, we can look at what are the own, you know, what are our own things that are going to be, you know, explored through the lens of horror. Uh not to go back to the same well, but uh, speaking of these uh, uh, terrible um, uh, 70s exploitation movies, there was a whole movement of uh, Nazi exploitation, uh, obviously, at the time, uh, including an incredibly vile movie called, uh, uh, what was it, Caligula Reincarnated as Hitler or Gestapo's Last Orgy, which, again, I recommend to absolutely no one. That said, uh, I one of the most sort of weirdly self-affirming and fun and 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 just kind of uh, bizarrely like uh, self-actualizing uh, times I've had watching movies was me and a group of all like like just a, a group of wise ass Jews watching this movie and being like these guys come on like so it was there was there was a certain catharsis in seeing, you know, uh, the horrors that have been visited upon your people sort of, you know, like almost trivialized in a way that like kind of indicates that, you know, that, that people are at least aware of it, you know, that, that it happened. And not only did it happen, but it's, it's something that you're, you can take the power away from. Uh, and, and I, 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 I get a certain strength from that, but I understand that that's, that's also a very minority viewpoint among minorities. Um, so yeah, once again, I, you know, if you're Jewish, I don't necessarily recommend this movie as a feel-good hit of the year. I'm just saying that if you're the right type of Jewish wise-ass idiot, then yeah, ab absolutely. Um, that said, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I would be willing to work on something like that with people that were willing to go into that circle with me. But by no means would I be like, you know, I'm not going to sit down with like three of my black friends and be like, we're going to do a game about, you know, the, the black experience in America in, you know, the colonial era. Obviously, like I got no leg to stand on there. I got nothing to. So that's not something for me to trivialize uh, in any way. Uh, and it's uh, so if, if you find the like sort of lightning in a bottle, perfect storm group of people that can find catharsis in that sort of weird exercise by all means go for it uh but make sure you know that everybody's on the same team you know um so uh yeah by all means like if if you have a little tribe that has a, a you know an experience that you can turn into that kind of uh of horror and and you've all agreed to do so sometimes that can really kind of help um but uh you, you really got to know what you're doing that sort of takes you back to the the consent mechanics and also, like, there are games from all of those perspectives, too. Like I said, I mentioned Harlem Unbound and Haunted West. Those are all from a Black perspective, but they are written for everybody to play. And they say that very explicitly in the setting and the documents. So if you are looking to 
kind of expand your role playing and, and role playing experiences, definitely check those out. The other one that I would recommend is Jiangxi Blood in the Banquet Hall, which is done from a um, uh, Chinese family experience as well. I want to play that so, forever. <laughs> it is so good. It looks so cool. It is so good. Um, if you don't mind too, like, if you don't mind me. Yeah, yeah, go in, ahead. The, for, for the real thing, what we're like white dudes from middle America, right? So obviously in the game, we don't, um, we don't know the experiences people had in the 90s that weren't like us. But we addressed that in the game when we were writing, right? This goes into horror themes, and we're like, hey, listen, this is just our perspective and our life and like what we knew and what we experienced. You have a different experience, if you did, include it. Write it, put it in there for you, but we're not gonna try to tell you what that is. Like, let, let the other people decide what they want it to become and write something that people can latch onto and make their own. That way, you know, you're not, I mean, I guess appropriating is the, the right word yeah, there, but you're not appropriating anybody in that, in that attempt. And, and I do bring this up. This is a very heavy conversation. We're going to go lighter in a little bit. But this is a very, very heavy conversation Way that's important to have because what people think is horror and what really is horror can be two very different things. And mm -hmm. I wanted to set what we are talking about what we aren't talking about. Um, and to let those conversations kind of direct people to the conversations of the people who have those experiences and have that ex expertise. So. Can I make one recommendation? Absolutely. Uh, there was a, a, a race supplement back in the day that was, I think it was called Charnel Houses of Europe. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the, uh, it was the wraith supplement dealing with the, the concentration camps. Mm -hmm. So the ghosts of the, con oh my God, it was so good. It was so awesome. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's one that is definitely worth looking at. Really well done. Very cool. Um, okay, so we're going to move on now. <laughs> um, and we're going to go into some other um, different conversations. So um, horror-specific, it doesn't matter the, the, the genre that you, whether it's comedy horror, whether it's visceral horror or psychological horror, anything like that, um, they all have, like, mood. Like, there is very much a, a, a common mood between all of them. So how do you do that at the table? How do you set that as the GM? And how do you continue that? So I'm a big cheater when it comes to mood because I love having music at the table. You can't do that for a lot of games. You know, you got just a table at Con Hall, you probably can't go and just slap down. You know, you, maybe you can pop out a phone that doesn't have terrible speakers, pop down a little ambient playlist or something, but you know, going through a bunch of soundtracks, because, you know, horror is, we all know horror is bigger than tabletop RPGs. People have been making really cool horror movies, horror video games, even horror albums. You know, there's this great, uh, artist Too Mellow has atmospheric horror uh, albums, and, you know, just kind of rifling through those and figuring out what can I put on in the background, because, you know, the, the music that's playing in the background can be just as important for uh, setting the tone of the scene as the words that you're saying. But, you know, that's not something you can do at every game, but I really encourage people to experiment with it. I'm thinking still. I'm thinking still. You got something. Hmm? I'm thinking still. You got okay, something. Uh, I'm going to echo that. I can't run a game without music. Uh, it gets me in trouble at every convention I do. Obviously, you're going to want to do it. I'm right? going to be in trouble. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you, well, it's, it's, we could probably get like a, a setup and, and trade it off. Uh, I've actually used Faith No More as horror soundtracks nice. a lot we of times. We to talk about this. Uh, um, a, uh, if you're running a horror game, a few weapons that should be in your, uh, in, in your arsenal um, 
regardless of what you think of the little weirdo, uh, 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 Glenn Danzig has an album called uh, Black Aria. Uh, you will just, you'll get to the point where we'll have, you'll be able to just have this Pavlovian response. You turn that on, the players go, mm -mm, no. Now the gods kill. <laughs> and then uh, uh, anything by like early Buckethead, Death Cube K, check that out. It's, you'll be glad you did. Uh, Dream Song by Ministry. Uh, um, uh, recently, since I've been doing 80s stuff, I've leaned into, there's two that I have absolutely scared the pants off of my players with. Uh, there's one, uh, Throbbing Gristles, Hamburger Lady. Do not listen to this album in a parking lot at night <laughs> in Bayonne, New Jersey. I may have made that mistake. Uh, the other one I would recommend is uh, a like almost unknown 70s rock band called Blood Rock um, that nobody remembers did one hit in like the late 70s called DOA and it is the most upsetting song you will ever hear. It is so friggin scary and it became like the, 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 the bad shit is happening. Can I say that? Yeah, the no, bad no. stuff's happening in- Dark uh, Radio yeah. is, is adults. It's oh, awesome, that so shit's happening. You're good. <laughs> We can say whatever we want. I'll put content uh, warnings right. on there too. So. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like in, in, in you, once you get like uh, sort of a light motif of the thing going with, with music, mm -hmm. you can scare your players with music by just hitting play. They know what's coming. They know what it is. Mm -hmm. Certain villains might have certain tracks. That, and, and a really nasty thing to do is to get them used to like find a, a classic rock song. I had a villain that was a ghost named... Justin Gentleman, and his song was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. There are 10,000 covers of this, mm -hmm. which means you can use it in all these different scenarios, and every time it popped up, it would kind of slide it under the radar, and they'd be like, oh, this is a beautiful lullaby. We're in a baby's room. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and... Finding like a song like that, you know, or like get you know, a uh, all along uh, the watchtower. Exactly. First, uh, like the Joker it. and the Thief is, which, by the way, if you ever want to really deep dive, Joker and the Thief is in more than just the watchtower. They're mm -hmm. in like twenty to thirty different songs. It's great. I want to know who Eddie is. Speaking of songs, every classic rock song that talks about people dying. Always, always, regardless of the band, it's always, and I'll miss you most of all, Eddie, and then who the hell is Eddie? It's not Iron Maiden's Eddie, because he didn't go anywhere. He's still out there being a pharaoh and shooting down enemy biplanes and whatnot. So I don't know who Eddie is. I've been wondering that for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, it, music is just an indispensable tool in, in, in cultivating horror at your table. Um, when I do Rememorex, I've been running Rememorex every Tuesday for the past six years. Uh, the players gotten to a point where they've learned something's going wrong. If I switch from classic 80s music and it goes into sort of like modern synthwave, you know, uh, horror, then they're like, oh, something's about to happen. Synthwave yeah. horror yeah. is such a great setting song oh, yeah. music. Oh, look at oh, Goblin. Oh, Goblin. Dude, they're they're going to be doing live. a concert yes, soon. Yes, I right? saw them live in Chicago while back. They're great. <sighs> so I, I agree with these guys. Music is really great to set to set the mood. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff out there. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula soundtrack by Wilcha Kilar is a great one. There, mm. There's just so much out there. Go go look. You'll be like you'll be surprised how much you can just use for music. But the, what I what I really like to do, usually in in, in when I run, it's uh, music is playing in the background, but it's there to kind of. I like to find the ambient stuff, like cryo chamber and, mm. and things like that. Like just let it kind of, it's just sizzling in the background and, and they're just creeped out by hearing that. 
but then it's the small the small descriptions of what they see or what they find or you know describing the lightning in the sky or describing when things change really you know you don't have to like go into a paragraph and like write a novel about it right but just give the right like do things that hit the senses like the smell of this is going on and if it's something off or whatever that's really going to put them in the mood because your senses your five senses are things that we all we all depend on and rely on and when those start messing with you that's when you that's when you got your players that's when you know that's when they start going yeah i got the i got the chills i don't know what's happening but uh this is wrong whatever's happening is wrong one last thing i would say about music sometimes using something completely incongruous is even scarier oh yeah Mm. i once managed to get like my player to just completely nope out like an entire table of like six people uh uh what becomes the broken hearted was playing in the junkyard And they were like, no, nah, that, that can't be good. <laughs> and it was like, and it's not really a scary song in and of itself, but in the right context. And that's something to think about. It's like, maybe use something that wouldn't necessarily be scary, but in the right context is terrifying. Again, I'm going to give you another secret weapon, the carpenters. Oh. Carpenters, Ooh. absolutely. <laughs> Why do those birds suddenly appear? You don't want to know. Uh, We've only just begun. So I want to quick throw out two things. One... Last thing I'll say about music, uh, real quick, there is free DJ software out there. It's called oh, yeah. Mix with Three X's. I put out a thread on Twitter a while back, just given the real basics of how to use it. I love this thing. I'm, you know, I, this is primarily for like if I'm streaming a session or playing with people online. You know, load something up into that. You can just live crank the tempo down of a song. Put on some echo or reverb. It is, yes. It kicks oh, ass. ELO, the music, that sounds just awesome. make it backwards. It is, oh, yeah, it exactly. is so good. But, you know, awesome. it's, cool. it's good. Um, but there is, you know, we've been talking a lot about music. Not all y'all can use that in, you know, all your sessions. And I'm sure, unlike us cool kids, you have not all curated a large discography of uh, horror music to thumb through. Yeah, that's the first time I've been called that. But, <laughs> that uh, nice. Cool or a Feels, kid? Uh, either. Okay. <laughs> I, I was born at 40. Yeah, yeah. Very painful. Benjamin Buttoning, cool. Yes. That's a horror um, movie right there. <laughs> but true. cheat code for, you know, absolutely building off of this whole, you know, hit the senses. Um, sometimes when you're GMing, it's hard to think of what is the most impactful thing that I can say right now. In horror, talking slowly to describe what is happening is actually good. So <laughs> lean into that, make it just know I'm doing it for effect. I'm definitely not trying to figure out what should be dripping from that, you know, gutter up there. You know, it's, I think broadly, lean into things and say, no, that was intentional, but definitely slow, you know, slow things down when you need to so that you can really focus on what is the one subtly awful thing in this room. Yeah, because you want to draw their attention to whatever that thing is that they're supposed to be terrified of, right? Mm. In that right moment. And that's really, that's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. A a, a trick and, and, and one that I will always just beat to death like if you if, if i cannot leave you with one idea other than the music thing it's this play the long game mm-hmm. the longer the better um remember x was actually not going to be published it was just a game i was running with my friends and the idea was like okay you guys are a group of kids in high school and i never said anything weird was going to happen 
You're just a group of kids in high school in 1986. They kept looking for something weird and then not finding it. And eventually they like settled down. And I mean, I played this game for like every Tuesday for three months, nothing happened. It was just John Hughes the whole way. And by the time they got super invested in like who was going to plump to prom and who was gonna get an F and maybe my parents are getting divorced, there was a car crash and they saw this kid die and he just shows up at school the next day and they just lost it. <laughs> so the longer you put it off, the thing that you're doing there is setting it, and I think this is a big thing with horror in general, in movies, in novels, in anything, you need to establish what's being threatened and that doesn't happen enough. You need to set a baseline, right? If you've got adventure, action, adventure, you can get right into it. You don't need any foreplay. Horror, you need to establish what's going on in this world and what is coming in to change it and what is being threatened. And the more comfortable and happy they are in their like location, you have to do that. It's tricky as, as a GM, you wanna throw your vampires and your angels and your, your robots at the players as fast as possible. It is an enormous amount of patience to just pull it back and let them worry about the math test and let them really, really get into these characters. And you know, like, cause again, that's something that a player can relate to. Not everybody's fought a giant robot, but everybody's been worried about a test. Everybody's been worried about if their significant other really likes them. You, you play into those stories for as long as you can. And then once they've really let their guard down and gotten really invested in that, Werewolf. That's when you. Hit. That's that's when the mummy shows up. That's when axe murderers show up. It's that that's always the you gotta be patient. It always pays off. Mm -hmm. Foreshadow a little bit too. Oh yeah. So when they get to the point where that payoff happens, they'll realize the clues that you've left, and then just mind blown, like. So I, I remember that scene in um. It's not a great movie. Uh, what was the one with uh, the the Shyamalan movie with the aliens? Oh, yeah. It has one of the yeah, greatest yeah. scenes in horror where, like, yes. he set it up perfectly where you're looking at this little tiny window and you're like, oh, an alien's going to walk past that window. So scary, right? And you're so ready for an alien to walk past that window that when an alien walks into the room, you just crap your pants. And that's, that was what I was trying to do. I was trying to get him to focus on, like, you know, this one little area. And then this kid just walks back from the dead into class. And that was, like, that was what kicked off the adventure and, and made it, like, this whole, like, you know, next level thing. But also, it sort of put them so much more in their characters' heads because people going into a horror game are expected. They're looking, they're, oh, where's the werewolf? Where's the robot? Where's the undead? If they get some time to really get into a normal person's head, you can sort of tap into that fear and like put them into places where they might have felt comfortable. You know, you're watching TV at your parents' house, that kind of feeling. And I, you know, you're asking about like what is horror, and, and, and I'm. I'm I'm riffing here, but horror is kind of what if. And that's why things like Ukraine doesn't work. It's yeah. because that is happening. There's no what if, right? Exactly. But what if, uh, you know, what if there was a werewolf? What are we going to do about that? Like, that's way scarier because it's, you know, it's, and, and the, the insistence on it. Mm -hmm. Well, there isn't a werewolf. Yeah, but what if? Yeah, that's, that's I think, the, the, the scariest thing you can do with that. Uh, with, um, an extended period of time. Yeah, and, and it depends on the kind of horror you're trying to tell, right? It, it really does. Like, but for through lines, you know, that's definitely the case. Sometimes you want to almost not describe, right? Go with the cosmic horror, the elder horror style. Like, almost tell it like this is an unknowable, ununderstandable thing. 
the description of it would actually ruin it and you're trying to portray that madness or that you know the, the thing they can't touch what they can't understand and that's difficult to do also right because you got to rely on what's not there to describe what's there and that takes some practice and time but that's mm. that's yeah you, or you just describe one aspect of it that makes no damn sense. Exactly. Yeah. And that will just teeter them into craziness and they'll run out of the room screen when you know whatever it was. It's good stuff. I will, I will say to use all senses. Mm. So when you're describing something, maybe not what they see, but what do they smell? Does it smell like cinnamon? Does it smell like garbage? Does it smell like something? And then bring that smell back. You know, you pick one scent and stick with it. Oh, you're, you taste something in the air, but you can't quite place it. And then bring that back every time they come close to that monster. I wonder if they're still here. There's a booth uh, that feels that it like actually makes like bespoke sense for your table. Really oh yeah, they, 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 cool. yeah. I think it's. I, think I hired it's them here. to do an arcade once. That's they cool. Nailed it. Nice. It was awesome. Um. Okay. So we talked about pacing. I'm going to have one more question, and then we're going to take questions from the audience. Um, we talked about pacing and stuff like that. I want to talk, have you guys kind of talk a little bit because we kind of all have an idea of what like a, a, a short game or like one shot or like two games, you know, like it's going to be a bloodbath. Everybody knows that going into a horror game. But if, if you're looking to do like a long-term game, you kind of touched upon it, but if you're looking to do a long-term game over the course of several sessions or even months or years, how does that work in horror when you're expecting people to die? And what does that look like with the characters and the players when that happens? And, all, and, and how do you guys address that at the table? So there are many scarier things than death. But even just setting that aside for a bit, absolutely, you know, I, something that I kind of wanted to um, riff off your riff that I think really ties into this, the whole thing of, you know, horror is what if. Horror is not just the game master going, what if? When you have a you know, really long horizon to play with, you get to give your players some real ambiguity, you know, to get them going, what if it's this? You know, being in that game where, where it's high schoolers, at the start they were probably going, what if there's, you know, what if there's a killer around this corner? Or what if class is interrupted by this terrible thing? And then it is but they're still asking themselves and you can just give them a little, you know, like uh, dropping a little, you know, bit of pet food in a guinea pig cage, like, <laughs> oh, what if that's it? You know, there's something off about this. What if this horrible thing's going to happen? And then, you know, this really gets to accumulate as you start to dig down, you get to show what things were maybe more totally setting and what things were more directly foreshadowing. So really, I think when you have a really long horizon, it's you're probably gonna need to dig down on, okay, what do I want the, what do I want the core horror of this to be? And how can I tease this for a very long time? You know, really going in with the, with the feather on your players um, and just see if you can, see if you can really make them ask questions and have wrong answers yeah, I, I'd really suggest don't answer all of their questions right especially if you want to go for the long game make them question everything all the time and then give a nugget and like mm. two or three games in like you figured this one thing out 
and they're because they're, they're going to be curious right they're going to go after things but just try to not answer all of their questions and make them wonder that what if if they think it's a werewolf or they think it's a vampire they think that they're turning into something from another dimension but they don't know and they slowly find out the answer that's really how you keep that story building and going by actually not answering their questions directly yeah and letting them surmise and think they know what's going on another thing i would say is is don't be afraid to pivot and uh, this is something i see a lot yeah. in in uh, like especially memes about being like a gm it's like oh i spent 20 hours making this npc uh to be the hook and he's this scary guy in a cloak and the you know everybody wants to talk to the goblin named uh, you know dweezel and <laughs> it's always like well then make dweezel the hook like you you can like the players are going to tell you what you know what to do if if you kind of keep an eye out you can you know pivot at the last minute and be ready to change things uh big apocryphal story that i tell anybody uh, about this this same campaign this horror campaign was i had written this thing uh, to end with, like, uh, if anybody here has seen, like, The Explorers or any of those, uh, that, that old Australian movie where the kid, uh, was a donkey gym where he goes, makes, like, a homemade uh, uh, dive suit and goes under the lake. And I had this whole plan for, like, the players were eventually going to have to do that and go into this lake. And, like, you know, there are going to be all these weird things under the lake that they were going to have to deal with. And I had this, you know, I've been writing it for months. And then the good kid. You know, the kid that always got A's, the kid that was, like, trying his best to save his parents' marriage, the kid that never cursed, he looks at the rest of them, including, like, you know, the, the, the burns out, the burnout, the metal head, and all of these other whack jobs that he shouldn't be hanging out with. And he goes, all right, well, now that we know what we're dealing with, it's pretty clear we have to blow the dam and empty out the, the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, Oh, God, you're so much better. <laughs> that is so... And, and it was. And it was. I mean, we, I just took, like... I was like, okay, give me two minutes to just sort of get my thoughts around this because that's so much better than what I had. I threw out everything and made the whole, like, third act of this, like, year-long story about them figuring out how to blow the dam and get into this this uh, facility that they were trying to find, you know, by... Uh, draining the town's man-made lake, which I had totally not anticipated, and was so much cooler and more interesting as a as a story, and it sort of jived with the rest of it so much better. Uh, and obviously, that was what they wanted to do, because otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. And and it just it was a beautiful moment. Um, but I think there is this tendency for people to like be like, but I wrote all of this. Yeah, and you'll probably use it somewhere else. So, you know, right. don't throw it away, of course. You, you're a GM. You're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. Trust me, it does not leave. <laughs> Keep your material. Yeah. yeah, but it's just you're not going to do this here because this new better thing came along, and it's just it, it's always good to be and, – and that pivot doesn't necessarily need to come directly out of player action. If somebody's like – wouldn't it be scary if all of these things that we keep seeing in the forest are actually our parents – uh, that's their parents now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally listen to your players. Really, yeah, I, they'll give you great ideas. I thought oh, yeah. they were zombies, but now they're your parents. They will. <laughs> if, if you leave stuff open for interpretation, they will absolutely run with way more things than you could ever come up with. And it's going to be good, yeah. and you're going to want to write it down. Just use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just use it. And, and, and they don't know, right? Because that's, that's, you're a genius. You're a genius. <laughs> but they, that's what you were going to do all along. They don't know. And, and if, they, if they do figure it out, then they realize that you're listening to them as a GM, like your friends. You're actually listening to what they're putting you're a out genius. there. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah genius is listening. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. All right. You really can't lose. So we are coming up on the end of the panel. So what I'm going to do is we have like 
time for like one or two questions. Um, and then what I will do is I will have everybody kind of find, where can you find us in social media? And then I'm gonna be out there. If I don't get to your question or anything like that, please feel free to come out. I can sit out there for a little bit. Anybody, any of the panelists, if you guys can, sure. you guys are welcome to. Um, then that way, like, you don't have to feel like you're left out. It just, it won't make it into the recording. I apologize. It's just, we only have an hour, and uh, we have a, we do have a lot to say on the matter. Um, that's kind of why I have three different panels for horror. So, <laughs> um, so does anyone have any questions? I saw you. Uh, my group, me as a GM and my players, are new to horror games. We're kind of dipping our toes into it. Uh, my players very much approach the game, horror games, I call it the game we're playing, as people watching a horror movie, you know, not necessarily characters in a horror movie, but no, I'm not going to go in a room because there's monsters and they're going to die. You know, they, they play against the tropes to where we're not playing horror, where they're trying, actively trying to avoid anything horrible. No, we go to the cops because they're next, or we don't try and solve it ourselves, and you know, that's the problem I'm running into. Any guidance on new players that are yeah if uh if they go to the cops then uh the cop is a corrupted demon of some sort and leads them then like, like just use the world wherever they go if you're if you really if they really want to play horror and you're trying to insert it the most horrible thing is no matter where you go is it's not safe right yeah, you can sort of uh, i mean there there's a whole genre of that sort of postmodern west craven scream like you know the rules well they change yeah you know and that's that's something you can do is is oh you're not going to go in that room actually that's the one safe place the monsters were here in here with you the whole time they're invisible or they're made out of wallpaper you don't know <laughs> right yeah. or one of them is actually the monster unbeknownst to them yeah that's really fun i love doing mm -hmm. that. you may also <laughs> want to go back to a session zero and you can have session yeah. zeros at any point where you say hey look I'm looking to help you with this. You guys are new players. So we are going to have some, you know, meta plot that you guys automatically buy into. You guys are the central focus, not everybody else. So you do yes and to mm. the plot with the characters and kind of explain what you are looking for from them. Because if they're brand new players to role playing in general, they probably don't know that. So, or even horror in so general, they probably don't know that. Yeah. So go back and like, Hey, as a GM, this is kind of what I'm looking for, for the story to be able to progress because I'm also struggling to be able to story tell this correctly for you and present it as a, it's not there. It's not that they are playing it wrong. It's that they are looking at it from the wrong way and that, and that you are taking this time to try and get them back in that way. All right, uh, one more question. Yes. Where is your favorite place that you found unlikely inspiration for horror or anything that you've been doing? I can go with mine. Let's do it. Romance novels. <laughs> oh, <sure>. Like, seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Romance novels have some of the best plot hooks, some of the best characters, and some of the most unlikely twists that if you remove like the the romance spicy elements from it like, you can use that with any genre i think that's so and rice did right yeah <laughs> yeah probably she kept the romance in yeah, yeah. Love that stuff. <laughs> but yeah romance novels 
that's where I get a lot of my stuff. Yeah, for, it's music for me, honestly. And it could be like the most beautiful, I like it like the Rite of Spring, right? But when the Rite of Spring was first played live for an audience, they rioted. So you can use, music is a huge inspiration for me where I find that, and it may not be this horrible, ugly thing, but it, it, it turns my brain to, mm. to a place that goes, ah, oh, this creatively, I could go here and do this thing with this song. Yeah. I accidentally put the three music people on the same panel. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, children's media, especially like bright, happy, sunny yes. children's oh, media. That's what I was yep. going to say. That like, if I consume it now, like if I'm playing a Pokemon game now and I'm thinking the implications of some of this world building is really weird. Or like, I'm getting vibes from this character, what's going on. You know, they're not going to go anywhere with that. Now you can go somewhere with that. And it's, it's all that stuff of like, okay, so I know this media is not going to do it because it's rated G, but <laughs> why is it like this? That's, that's been a really fun place to take inspiration from. Who trapped the first awesome. monster in a ball? <laughs> I would say the same thing. Uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Um, when you know, when we were doing a follow up to Rememorex, we went straight into the mythology of the eighties, and you know that's all kind of Saturday morning cartoons and plastic mythology. Uh, and we we're like, you know, okay, so we're sort of keeping this horror element to it. And the weird thing is, I didn't even realize it at the time. It was uh, one of the players that was like, okay, so what you created here for this first game is, you know. Transformers, but horror, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> so we like kind of went back and rewrote, and that's Commandroids, which is at uh, uh, the IDGN booth, and it's uh, Transformers and Voltron meets David Cronenberg. And now uh, my wife and I are working on the next one, which is set in the same universe, which is uh, Holomatics, uh, which she's literally running right now, which is uh, Barbie and the Rockers and Gem and the Holograms uh, meet uh, John Carpenter. Yes. Um, yes. And, <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. And then the the last one is going to be uh, like you know what if uh, what if Clive Barker just designed Skeletor and you know the the attorney that that would cause. So like that's sort of the three that we're working on now, and it's all out of Saturday morning cartoons and uh, the toys that come with them. Another one would be Happy Time Murders, it, Muppet Murder Mystery. It's uh, great. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, so we're, we're world building. Yeah, it's amazing world building and everything like that. But you can see, like, they took Muppets that you are very familiar with, and there's murder, there's drug use, like, there is all of this other stuff that's going on in the world. You literally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, (laughs) that's such a good movie. You think Gonzo's just like sex? Um, Okay, (laughs) so so very quickly, um, where can we find you guys on social media? And then any other questions or anything like that? We will be out there so that we can get clear out for the next panel. I don't want to over with everybody so yeah you can find my games at willyuel.itch.io uh that is yule uhl uh and if you are cursed to be on social media you can find me on co-host at raffi the owl uh you can find us on accidentalcyclops.com or on backer kit right now if you're interested we've also got a link tree you can scan uh for all of our socials and anything that we're doing uh, nerdy. Oh, st- uh, sorry, sorry. We're also at the IGDN booth and at booth two six six one. I think here everybody here is at the IGDN. Yeah, yeah, we're all, yeah, yeah. I think we're all so. there. Uh, here, so either of those booths, World of Game Design or IGDN, you can find us there too. Uh, yeah, we're Nerdy City. Also at that booth, uh, uh, nerdycity.com. Um, we're in the middle of kind of doing a site redesign right now, so if it's a little hinky, just you know, give it a day and try again. Um, 
I don't think we're on Twitter anywhere. I think we're on Tumblr. So if you look up Nerdy City on Tumblr, you'll find us there. Uh, and uh, uh, Instagram also. Uh, my wife handles the social media. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, it's uh, Nerdy City on Instagram and Tumblr. And if you look, you'll find us. Or Rememorex on any of those, you'll also find it. And you can find me at thegeekypanda.com. You can also find me on all social media, which is Body and Soul 152. And the recording for this will be on Darker Days Radio, which I'm a, uh, a podcast host for, um, one of the hosts. So um, thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, please bring your tickets up here. Just put them in a pile over here. And then if you have questions or anything, you can go on out the hallway.